This is Pastor Mike, and I want to welcome you to the Life Fellowship Podcast. I know that the trials of each of you experience can often feel overwhelming, and at those times, the enemy tries to bring discouragement into your life. Remember that in John 16, Jesus tells us to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Today, as you listen, I pray that God's word ministers to you and that the power of the Holy Spirit deposits joy and peace into your situation. God is so good. Amen. 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 Please remember to, at the end of service, to let Leslie know how much you appreciate all of her hard work. And, uh, and I'm excited for our back-to-school event that we're going to be having. And I just want to encourage you, if you have not signed up on that sheet to help with that, just see me and we'll make sure we get you on. That's August the 10th. And we're going to be ministering to hopefully 300 children in this area uh, that, that, um, and our own children as well. Listen, if we can't minister to our own, we can't minister to outside of these walls. So I'm excited about that. It's going to be a good time in the Lord, good time of fellowship for this church as well. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Psalms 92. Psalms 92. I want to talk to you for just the next few weeks about what it takes to be a growing church. There are a lot of maintaining churches. But... To be a growing church, it takes something extra. If it didn't take something extra, every church would be growing. We have, I wouldn't even know how to give it a percentage, but let's just say 95% of the churches across this nation, whether they're Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, I'm going to say the core of what they teach it's just like we believe. They believe Jesus Christ died for our sins. They believe that when you receive him, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell on the inside of you. They believe that you baptized and everything that from your past is left in that water and you come out again and live in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe that is the core belief of the greatest percentage of our churches nationwide. But how many of them are not growing? So just simply believing who Jesus is won't grow a church. just won't grow a church. And I want to share with you a few thoughts over the next three weeks about what it takes to become a growing church. Psalms chapter 92, I'm going to read verses 12, 13, and 14. It says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, and they shall grow like the cedars in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall nourish in the courts of our God, and they shall still bear fruit in their old age, and they shall be fresh and flourishing. Father, I ask you this morning that you just take your word, God, and dissect it. God, into the smallest segments so that we can digest it 
And Lord, leave not one life unchanged in this place today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. The psalmist makes a point that we should grow and we should flourish as a church. And he uses the cedars in Lebanon to get his point across. And I want to share with you about these cedars for a few minutes this morning. Cedar was a very expensive wood. It was very sought after. Solomon's temple was built out of cedar. The first and the second temple was built out of cedar. In Hebrew, the word cedar, erez, means solidly fixed in place, having structure or well-founded. Solidly fixed in place, having structure or well-founded. These majestic trees are mentioned in 103 verses in the Bible. I would say without a doubt that it's obvious that the Creator wants us as a church to glean something from something He mentioned 103 times in His Word. Some of the attributes of a cedar, you can personalize these. I think they're just tremendous. The first one is they are durable and tough but yet they're easy to work with. Let me say that again. Cedar is very durable and tough, but yet it's very easy to work with. And I can attest from cutting wood, cedar is a very easy wood to cut. They give off a sweet aroma, a scent that fills the room with pleasant delight. I know as a child growing up, my parents always had a cedar tree and that was back in the day when you didn't buy them on the side of the road. We would go cut one down somewhere. And I, I can just remember, and some of you may as well, the smell of that cedar in the house at Christmas time. And I can smell a cedar now, and it reminds me of Christmas when I was a child. But they fill the room with delight. The smell, while pleasant to us, is unpleasant to insects. So cedar resists the infestation of harmful things coming into its wood. It resists insects. It also resists fungal diseases, and they rarely rot away. They aren't easily destroyed in harsh climates. The cedars of Lebanon are known to live in some of the harshest climates in the world, and some of them live two to 4,000 years before they die. What a tremendous attribute and I want to look at four different cedars this morning that the Bible mentions or that history mentions about cedars there are many different cedars that grow in Lebanon there are different shapes sizes they grow in different parts of the climate some of them grow in the low areas some of them grow on the tall mountains but there are four different ones that have been used throughout biblical history and continue to be used today for certain things. And I want to share that with you this morning. The first one is called the little cedar. It's very small and not impressive really at all, but it's vital for survival. You see, the little cedar, it grows on the lower areas of Lebanon, and it never gets really big, but it's cut and used for studs in homes or studding up things. It's even used for building furniture. The Temple furniture was built out of little cedar wood. 
they never grow really large and after they're harvested, they're cut in small sections and they're packed up on a cart and pulled down a road in olden times by an ox. And they're pulled down this road and it's a bumpy road and as you can imagine in that day, there, there weren't any shock absorbers on those carts and those cedars are carried down to the place where they're going to be crafted and fashioned into what they're designed for. And the interesting thing about the little cedar is they didn't even have to strap them down to the cart. But none of them would fall off. You see, the bark of the little cedar has a consistency to it, and it clings to the next piece. They all cling together. They don't fall off the cart because they hit a bump in the road. They don't fall off the cart because the ride may have got a little bumpy or rough. They don't fall off because things got a little uncomfortable. They don't fall off because they went around a curve and something has changed. But the little cedars, they cling together and never fall off the cart. So the harvester doesn't have to spend time reloading the cart with the same cedars that he's already loaded once before, they cling together. They have a stick to to them. They stick together like no other. They have developed a pattern in their life of commitment to what they are called for. I wonder how many pastors throughout the United States spend their weeks picking up cedars off of the road and loading them back on the cart. after they've already loaded them the week before and the week before and the week, oh, who am I preaching to this morning? With the little cedar, they just stick. They've grown with a consistency that makes them whole together. And I want to tell you, church, if we're going to grow as a church, we have to be a church that sticks together. I don't care if you're 95 or 15. We've got to stick together because there are going to be some bumps in the road. There's going to be some unexpected turns in the road. There are going to be some things that we weren't looking for. But I want to tell you, when we are called by God to fulfill a great destiny in Him, we need to have the ability to stick together. Regardless of what may come our way, we've got to learn to stick together. You can't be easily offended and be a little cedar. You know, I, I believe the church is one of the biggest places where people get offended. Well, I'm about to meddle in your business right here for just a minute. Somebody at work can cuss you out up one side and down the other. They may even take your lunch out of the refrigerator at work and eat it, and you've been waiting on it all day long. But you know what you'll do tomorrow? You'll go back. Why? Because there's the benefit of it. There's a payoff at the end. There's a payoff at the end. And church, I want to tell you, there's a payoff at the end of this road. 
There's a payoff at the end of the load. If God is calling his church to stick together and recognize that he has called us for something greater than what we see. Those little cedars as they're cut down, they, they feel unimportant. They may, they may not all be as straight as the next one. They may all not all look as attractive as the next one. But I want to tell you, once the temple got built, once the structure gets built and everything's finished, they are just part of the great finished work. And I want to tell you this morning, develop the attribute of a little cedar. Recognize that you are part of the finished work of Christ. You may feel unimportant this morning. You may feel like what you're doing is not vital to the kingdom, but I want to tell you, stick together. Stay in the ride. Stay on the cart. Don't roll off because God does something with the people that sticks together. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Oh, and don't forget that your labor is never in vain. Church, I know sometimes as a little cedar, we don't feel like that what we're doing is really worthy. Maybe because you take up the offering or you hand out a bulletin or you work in children's ministry or you help clean the church or whatever you do, you may not feel like it's important but I want to tell you that anything you do for the kingdom of God don't, don't forget that it is not in vain that God is working on his finished work of humanity and I'm excited that Life Fellowship we're going to be a part of completing God's final plan we're not staying where we are I don't know how many bumps we'll have or how many curves it'll be but I'm going to stick in and I know that you're going to Stick in together, and together we are going to see the finished work of Christ completed in this area. Amen. Give the Lord praise in this house. How, how do we, Pastor, how do we develop the attributes of a little cedar? That's real simple. By prayer, reading of the word, and tithing. Prayer shows total dependence on God. When you pray to God about anything, I don't care if it's a hangnail. You're showing dependence and saying, God, I recognize that I'm dependent on you to take care of this problem. When you, when you pour out your heart in prayer, you're showing total dependence on God. When you read the word, you're showing that, God, I need to be nourished. You're letting God know, Lord, I know that I need to be nourished by you. When you tithe, it's all right, right there. When you tithe, it shows complete trust. And I'm going to stay here for just a minute. Some of you may get mad, but that's fine. Tithing shows trust on God, and it shows faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you play in the band, sing in the choir, work in the sound booth, work in the children's ministry. I don't care whatever you do to the best of your ability. Maybe you're just somebody you never miss a service. You're one of those people that a pastor loves because I know that without a doubt they're going to be here when the doors open. But without total faith in God, it's impossible to please him. Your works cannot please the Lord 
without total obedience. This, God's will is not a buffet line where you pick and choose what you want. See, when I go to the Piccadilly, see, they got that thing set up just right because you go down this aisle before you come back up that aisle. So when you're walking down this one, you're already eyeing over here the Salisbury steak, the roast beef and gravy, scalloped potatoes, broccoli casserole. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing all this in my mind. It's, but you know, when I go to a buffet line, I'm often subject to get the most unhealthy things. I want the gravy. I want the potato. You can have the broccoli unless it's got cheese on it. I can steam some broccoli at my house. But I, listen, I'm going to get, I want the dessert, I want the coconut pie, and I want the chocolate pudding. If I go to a buffet where I'm able to see all of that, I pick and choose what I want. But Christianity is not that way. If you're going to live a life pleasing to God, you've got to be nourished. You've got to be obedient. You can't just pick God's word here and there and say, I'm going to live by this and not by that. You can only live by the whole entire word of God if you're to please him I'm, I'm going to share this story right here about tipping this is a good spot so so came and Erica texted me last night he probably doesn't even know you text me he doesn't know Erica texted me last night she's I got to share this with you came and asked Erica last night mom how much are we supposed to tip at church And, of course, she sent that with a bunch of laughy faces. So I sent him a la her a laughy face back, and I said, tell him that anything under 10% is just a tip. Anything under 10% is a tip. I'm not going to get through this message today, I can tell. Pastor, we like it when you do the more Holy Ghost-style preaching. Well, if shouting fixed all of your problems, we wouldn't be where we are today. Come on now. If you don't give 10% to God, you're tipping. God is not your waitress. He's your Lord. He is your Lord. He's not your waitress. If you don't tithe, you're not going to be blessed in every area of your life. Pastor, does that mean I won't have any problems? It absolutely does not. But, it, but the scripture is true to what it says. When you do tithe, even though the enemy may come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against the enemy. Matter of fact, if you decide next week you're going to tithe, you might as well get ready for it. Your car is probably going to break down. Well, Pastor, that's real positive preaching. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I just know, I know how the Lord works. Listen, God will test you you can't be promoted unless you're tested. You don't go to the fourth grade until you pass the test of the third grade. And if God can't trust you 
with 10% of $200. This is not what my sermon was supposed to be about today, but here we are. If God cannot trust you with 10% of $200, how in the world do you think he's going to trust you with 10% of $2,000? Pray, read, and tithe. That's how you develop the structure of the little cedar. That's how you develop the attribute of the little cedar. And then we have the humming cedar. The name of this cedar comes because the leaves are shaped in a bell-shaped formation. And the winds blow swiftly through those mountains in Lebanon, and they make a melody sound. They just make an almost musical-type sound as the wind, the harsh climate, blows through those cedars. Legend even says that David would tune his harp to the cedars of Lebanon, to the humming cedars. Lord knows we need some humming cedars in the church today. You'll never know if you're a crab apple tree or a humming cedar until the wind blows. Some of you missed that, so I'm going to say it again. You'll never know if you're a crab apple tree or a humming cedar until the wind blows. We've got enough moaners and groaners, criers and sires. Not here at Life Fellowship. I'm talking about the church at large. But the humming cedar, regardless of how hard the wind blows, how strong, actually the stronger the storm blows, the more melodious the humming cedar begins to sound. The harder it blows, the stronger the storm, the more melodious the humming cedar begins to sound. And I want to ask you this morning, how much humming do you do when the wind's blowing against your grain? What kind of spirit, what kind of attitude do you have when things aren't going your way? I want to tell you what happens in my case. Sometimes I just get flat mad. Sometimes I don't hum. But God's calling us to be a church like the humming cedar. That we give off a sweet, pleasant spirit every time we come into the presence of the king. When we be when we begin to come into his presence with a gentle spirit, 1 Peter 3, 4 says the incorruptible beauty of a gentle spirit is desirable to God. Well, pastor, how do I, how do I become a humming cedar? Just be an encourager, not an embalmer. You embalm dead things. But when you want something to live, when I, I had a tumor in my leg when I was 13 years old, and I guess 12, 12 or 13, and the one verse that my mother wrote down that I would speak every day is, I speak life and not death, and I will declare the works of the Lord. And I could still just remember that 
speaking that encouragement to myself. Can I tell you that the humming cedar always speaks encouragement? If we're going to be a growing church, we have to be an encouraging church. Because i got news for you. It's way too many of us here for everything to always go right. The minute I walked in the door by myself, the system was doomed. Oh, come on, church. The minute you walked in the door, the minute you walked in the door, the system was doomed. Because, because by ourselves, we're, we're just a wretched mess. But when you allow the spirit of the living God to begin to dwell in you, where you just become an encourager of those around you. Even though things not, may not be going right for them, you just help encourage them. You see, it's easy to be a friend of a feather and flock together. It doesn't take any, doesn't take any maturity. And I want to tell you, Life Fellowship, we're going to become a church like the humming cedar. That even though we're, oh, I, I know I, I've heard people say, well, Pastor, we're just excited you're here. and Things seem to be going really well. That's all well and good, but I want to tell you something. There's a storm that's going to come somewhere down the road. And I'm praying to God that when the wind blows as hard as it may, that we are a church that just hums a melodious sound and saying, I know that God brought us here, and I know that God is going to carry us through. Begin to make a melodious sound. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Be a person that gives pleasant words. Can I tell you something about all of us? All of us like to complain. If it ain't at church, it's at the restaurant. I mean, we, just, we can't be happy for anything. And if I tripped over that monitor, I'd be unhappy right now. We're going to become a church where we don't complain about nothing. Where we just hum a melody sound of who God is and what He's doing in this house. We had 97 children saved this week during Bible school. If that's not reason enough to hum a melody sound to the Lord, I don't care if the air condition's broke, if the foyer's hot, if the bulletin's misspelled, who cares what else ever else is going on? If God is moving in the house, that's reason enough that I can lift my voice to the Lord and say, God, thank you. God, I thank you. I used to go to church with an old guy. He was a great big old black fella in Martinsville, Virginia. Your name was Joe, and Joe would get in the altar, and you don't know Joe's history, but I do. Joe had been a drug addict and a drug dealer and everything in between, and Joe would get in the altar, and he wouldn't say but one thing. He would say, thank you. Thank you. When people would come down and begin to worship during the worship service, he didn't know how to say much. He wasn't real eloquent with words. He was worse than I am, if that tells you anything. But he could say this. He could say, thank you. And about 50 or 100 times a service, you could hear old Joe throughout the service saying, thank you, thank you. God, I just thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I give you praise. Even though I don't understand it all, God, I thank you. And God's looking for somebody to just say, thank you. Thank you for bringing me through. Thank you for bringing me out. Thank you for saving my soul. Oh, somebody give thanks to the Lord in this place. 
We're going to be little cedars, and we're going to be humming cedars, and we're going to be fire cedars. Fire cedars get their name because the shepherds would take the little cedars. Oh, my God, hear me on this. The little cedars that were not straight enough to be used for studs, they would soak them in oil until they got so saturated, regardless if it was snowing, raining, or inclement weather, they would still burn. The rejects. God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. So these fire cedars would be soaked in oil and they were ready to ignite at any moment. All that they needed was a little spark. They came into church saturated with oil, ready to ignite and didn't need to be primed in the process. Pastor, we like some of them other messages a little bit better. Anybody ever used old hand crank well on a farm? Some of you old timers, help me out. I know some of you have. You got to come in and prime and prime and prime, and you finally you get a little squirt or two of water, and you keep on, come on, you keep on priming, and finally the water will flow, and by that time, half the family has died of thirst. I want to ask you a question this morning. How much priming does it take to get you to worship? How much priming does it take to get you to worship? If you're coming into this place to get saturated in oil, you're going about this thing backwards. You're supposed to come into this place saturated with oil. This is the place you can just come to get reignited or relit. I'm telling you, you should come in, saturate. If you're waiting for just the right song, just the right, I don't care if it's an old song you need, a new song you need. If that's what you're waiting for to get you saturated with oil, where is your spiritual maturity? How much priming? Well, I tell you what, if she'd have sung that song the fifth time, I believe I'd have got out of my seat. I was beginning to feel it, preacher. I was almost up. Nobody said that to me. I don't know where that came from. How much priming does it take? We need fire cedars to show up to church ready for worship. Ready to worship. That's how you become a fire cedar is through your worship. The... mm, The reason you don't come up ready to worship is because you spend all week not worshiping. Watching Charles Stanley or Jimmy Swagger does not worship. It's just listening to some good word maybe, but it's not worship. If we want this church to ignite... 
We don't have enough talent up here, up here, or anywhere else to make that happen. This church is going to ignite because the logs, the little cedars get so saturated in the hole that when they walk through the door at the first stroke of the key, something takes a hold of you and you say, I just can't wait to worship my King of kings and my Lord of lords. A fire cedar turned away the enemies. Shepherds would build a fire and it would keep the wolves and the foxes and everything away from the sheep. Second Chronicles 20, 22 says, as they began to sing and praise, God set an ambush about their enemies. Can I tell you something? That some of the things in your life you will never stop dealing with unless you develop a pattern of personal worship. If you're depending on the Sunday morning experience to get you by and get rid of all your problems, you're missing out. You're going to have to develop a personal experience of worship in yourself. How can we possibly come into the house of God and contain ourselves with all he's done for you? How could we sit and be motionless in the house of God with all that he's done? There was a little boy and he would fall out of bed every night his mother would get up and go put him back in the bed. The next night, the same old thing. And one night he asked his mother, he said, Mom, I don't understand. Why do I fall out of bed every night and you have to help me get back in again? She said, Honey, it's quite simple. You lay right on the edge and you never get all the way in. She said, if you would ever get all the way in, you would recognize the comfort of the covers over you and you wouldn't even want to get out the next morning. But you spent too much time right on the edge. And I want to tell you something, Life Fellowship, we're no different than any other church in this nation. We've spent enough time right on the edge. If you want, you want to really know, if I could break it down this morning and tell you why we're not having widespread revival anywhere, it's because too many of God's people are living right on the edge. They're not wanting to get all the way in because when you get all the way in, some of you are wondering, well, that's a little bit different to me. Can I tell you something? A change might look good on you when you allow the Holy Holy Spirit to invade your life and take over the areas that you haven't been able to control. You got to get all the way in. A fire cedar warms and empowers, and fire always refines. If we become a church like the fire cedar, we will warm and empower every broken soul that comes in that place. Listen, I, we, I want you to really grasp this this morning. We can become a church that regardless of whatever song is sung, whatever message is preached, that people literally begin to be transformed when they walk through that threshold. 
when they cross the threshold, people's lives can be, begin to be transformed because we're a church full of fire cedars. That when they, oh my God, hear me, that they come in and they can smell the saturated wood. They can smell the aroma of a fresh anointing in the house. We need some little cedars. We need some humming cedars. We need some fire cedars. And the last one, we need some tall cedars. The tall cedar grows at, amazingly enough, at the, some of the highest altitudes in Lebanon. These cedars grow up to 100 feet tall. The winds get up so strong. They experience some of the harshest climates in the world. But that, yet they still have longevity. And they're an evergreen. They don't go through. Well, Pastor, it's. Now, listen, I want y'all to understand. Anytime I make comments like this, it's because I'm dealing with the same stuff. I want everybody to know that. I just say it to my pastor instead of y'all. Well, Pastor, it's just a season I'm going through. The tall cedar doesn't change its color because it's going through a different season. It's an evergreen. It's an evergreen tree. It means you can go in July or January and the branches look the same. You can go in July or January and the aroma, oh my God, the aroma is still the same. You can go in July or January and the covering is still the same. And God is looking for us to become an evergreen where we, regardless of what season we're going through, that we're still able to flourish. We're still growing. We're still able to provide a covering for the lost and the broken souls coming into this house. How, how, how does the tall cedar manage this? Because it has a deep tap root that goes down deep into the mountainside. Even into that rocky soil, it digs down and grabs a place and won't turn loose. Even when those winds blow, and I tried to find a good picture that I could share. Man, thank you so much, Steve, you put that up there. I just noticed that. If that's been up there all service, you did a great job today. But the wind blows these tall cedars way over on its side, but they always spring back up because they're rooted in something. They don't break they bend and spring back. Hmm. Now I want to tell you something. There are a lot of things in life that are going to make you bend. Oh, come on, somebody give me a witness this morning. Come on, Dawn. Huh? There's a lot of things that will make you bend. But I want to tell you, people that are firmly rooted as they should be in Christ will not break. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them from them all. God's calling us to be a tall cedar, a cedar that's rooted in something. Romans 8, 28, Paul said, I consider the present sufferings of this world not even worthy to be compared to the coming glory that we're going to see. Can you say that? Listen to that. He said, the sufferings of this world, I can't even compare them to the glory of the Lord that's coming to us. 
as you're being bent over, you need to have something that you can speak out of Scripture and say, God, I'm glad that I'm rooted in you. If you're a person that breaks easily, maybe you need to get your roots a little bit deeper. Maybe you need to sink your teeth in a little bit deeper in this word because this word is life. This word is life. This word is prosperous. This word is victory. This word is fire. This word is rain. This word is wind. Whatever you need from him, it is. He told Moses, he said, I am that I am. Mike Newcomb's definition of that is, I'm all of it. Whatever you need, Moses, I am. Eric, if you could come. The tall cedar represents the afflictions that we go through personally. Can I tell you something, church? You're going to go through some personal afflictions. My father-in-law broke his back and had cancer in his spine 18 months ago. He's only been back on his feet six months, and he had this car wreck. I don't understand it. Been serving God faithfully. First one at church on Sunday. And he finds himself going through this trial. Any preacher that tells you they got that figured out, you better find you another church. You come to me and ask me, Pastor, I don't understand this. I'm going to tell you one thing. I don't either. But I know one thing. I know that God is still on the throne. That's what I, that's all, listen, that's all I know. That God is still on the throne. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest revivalists the world has ever seen, died at 58 years of age. He was, for the last 10 years of his ministry, he was plagued by disease, and his wife was an invalid the last 10 years of his ministry. And one night they were sitting around a campfire and I got this out of one of his writings. Just talking. The fire was blazing and all of a sudden one of the logs that was fully consumed, fully consumed, began to whistle. Anybody ever been around a campfire and heard that whistle that the wood makes and he quietly spoke to his wife and he said, you know, sometimes it takes a great fire to make the music play. Sometimes it takes a great storm to bring out the music in your life, to bring out the pleasantries in your life. I don't understand them all. But this I do know, that if you're rooted in Christ, Jeremiah 17, 8 says, For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and you won't be anxious in the year of drought, nor will you cease from yielding fruit. Not because you got it all right. 
not because you had the best attendance in church, not because you dressed the best or dressed the most fashionable or came first or came last, but because you were rooted. Because you were rooted in Christ Jesus. We've raised up too many church members and too few disciples. Talked about all kinds of things today I didn't have in my notes. What if... I've heard so many people, so many people have been in this church over the years and I've had people say, Pastor, I... So and so, they, I'm hoping we may can get them back over to the church. I told Charlie this week, I said, you know, I'm tickled for anybody that wants to come back and be a part of Life Fellowship. Our, our doors are obviously open to them. But what if, what if everybody in this auditorium this morning adopted one seat? And you adopt that seat and say, you know what, I'm going I'm to put a broken person in that seat. See, that's a disciple. It, it, it's easy for us to invite somebody that's maybe going somewhere. What about if we invite somebody that's broken? They don't know Jesus from that wall right there. One person. Just judging by the crowd this morning, if everybody in here adopted a seat and brought one person next week, you know what we'd have? We'd have a crowding problem. One person. One person. Disciples. When you, bec when you become rooted in Christ like you should, you'll have a desire to be a disciple. You're going to have a desire to fill a seat. I, and I want to just break it down for you this morning. There's nobody in this place from myself all the way to the back wall that we don't need to dig our roots in a little bit deeper. Because listen, the storms get worse and worse and worse as far as time goes on. None of us have arrived if you came visiting this morning and you were looking for a pastor that had it all together, it's been nice seeing you. I'll give you an empty bag as you leave today. Because I need to dig my roots in a little bit deeper. I, I need to get more serious about who I am with Jesus. I, I need to develop a more of a disciple's attitude. I'm not happy just being part of a church. What I want, I want to be a disciple of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to be a one who brings somebody that's lost and broken into the house of God and sees them restored by the power of the Holy Ghost. The cedars in Lebanon. God said, I want you to grow like them. That's what the scripture says. He said, I want you to grow like them. I want you to stick together like the little cedar. I want you to be a humming cedar. When things don't go your way, just hum a melody sound. I want you to be a fire cedar. I want you to get so saturated in God throughout the week. Come on. I mean, soak yourself in Him. 
turn off Fox News for just an hour. Just soak in the Lord. Soak in the Lord. That way you can have some joy. When you turn off Fox News, you're going to be mad as fire anyway. You know it's the truth. Grow tap roots that go deep into the foundation of Jesus Christ. Become a real disciple. I, I'm going to step out on a limb here this morning. The ch- most churches are only made up of about 10% real disciples. Where did you get that statistic, Pastor? It's just my own. Haven't read anything that says that, but I'm telling you, most churches probably only have about 10% real disciples. I'm talking about, I'm talking about when we go out and we're, bra- you we're just bringing broken people in. We're not saturated enough. Now I want to ask you this morning in this house. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in here this morning, you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And you can say, Pastor, I, I, I want to today, I want to know that things are right. I want to know that I'm, I'm going to accept Jesus as my Lord and, and my Savior. Next week, we're going to be taking communion. It'll be a great timing for you to be able to celebrate. To celebrate your newfound birth and your freedom in Jesus. That's you this morning. If you've never been saved, you need to ask the Lord to be your Lord and Savior. Just wait just a moment. Anybody, I want you to slip up your hand. Anybody in this house, wait just a moment. Nobody's looking around. Anybody? Amen, amen. And let me ask you this, church. How many of you, God spoke to you in any way this morning about these cedar trees? And you can see some of you in any any facet of this sermon. Slip your hand up. Come on. All over this place. Come on, feel this altar right now. Come on, feel this altar right now if you raised your hand. Don't wait on somebody else. Feel this altar right now. Come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, come on. Don't wait on somebody else. Thank you for listening to our podcast here at Life Fellowship Church in Hearst, Texas. God is doing great things at our church, and we would like for you to be a part. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 6.45 p.m. Get connected with us through Facebook or our website at www.lifefellowshiphearst.org. Thank you, and God bless.